Walker. It means we're, we're called to lift them up or raise them up in our eyes. Does that make sense? Um, whereas contempt is kind of to lower them down. All right? And so I won't get too much into that a little bit um, too much, but um, I think the one thing I do want to kind of nail down, make sure you guys maybe get it again, is Psalms 8, 4, 5. It says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them, for you have made them a little lower than angels, and this part here, and crown them with glory and honor. And so if you're wondering, well, how do I honor someone that uh, doesn't feel like they deserve honor? Uh, and right here is where we can say that all people, all humans, have been crowned with honor and glory. In fact, the Bible says to love and honor all people. Say all people. Say, I don't want to do that. No, don't, don't say that. Um, it, it's hard to honor everyone because... When we look at someone, we're trying to judge, are they worthy of our honor? Is that right? Look to your left and to your right. That person has, been, has a coronation of glory and honor by the Father. I love, we, we talked about that every person is extraordinary. There are no ordinary people. Say that with me. There are no ordinary people. Let's say that again. I just like that. There are no ordinary people. Okay. Sometimes you, we can walk in here and you just think maybe it's a coworker. I've seen that person before, and we 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 forget how honorable they are. We forget, and so today we're going to kind of go a little bit deeper into that. I want to talk. Yet last time we talked a lot about that, just the individual honor we give someone. Today I want to talk a little bit more about a corporate honor and how Jesus showed honor and how Jesus was not showed honor. You guys ready? All right. So turn to Luke four. Now I planned ahead and we got some of these scriptures up on the screen. Hallelujah. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Mark 6. We're going to start with Mark 6. I think we're corresponding. All right, so Mark 6. You can start up there if you want. I'm going to read out my Bible. Verse 1. Okay, it says this. Jesus went out from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. So he's got to recognize Jesus is back in Nazareth now, in his hometown, where he grew up with his brothers and sisters and his parents. Okay, so verse 2, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonished, say astonished, good job, job. keep it coming, I like the participation, saying, where did this man get these things, and what is this wisdom given to him, and such miracles as these performed by his hands? Everybody say, wow, wow, they were astonished, okay, is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. In one moment, they were wowed and astonished. And the very next moment, they were offended. They had contempt. Can you see their value for him went whoop, right? They're like, isn't, isn't this... Isn't this Mary's son? That whole, that whole, I remember when that went down, the whole like illegitimate marriage and he was birthed out of. I remember, this, is it that guy? Is this the guy that just, I, I grew up with him. He can't be, the, this is the carpenter, right? See, this is how they're hearing him. So Jesus says to them, he says, prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and his own households. And he could, he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. 
So what's going on here? Jesus is, this is a beautiful instance that Jesus was in his hometown. He's in a city. And you got to remember that, that everywhere Jesus went, he was resisted, right? There were people always mocking him. So that wasn't something new here. But what was happening here is that the whole town had come out to hear him speak, or a large group. And they looked at him with familiarity. Okay, they said, isn't this, isn't this the normal, isn't this Jesus? And so in one sense, they were wowed by him, but their familiarity took a greater presence and so I want you to know, one thing I want to, first thing I want to talk about with honor in this context is that honor can, has the ability, honor and dishonor, has the ability to receive the blessing from the Lord or to shut it down. Let me pray first real quick. Father, I thank you, Lord, for that you're here with us right now. We honor your presence. We just thanks that you're here and we've, just been worshiping you and just showing you honor and just acknowledging that you are with us, that you are near us. I pray for your Holy Spirit just to take this word right now. <laughs> take this word right now and you deposit seeds in our hearts and teach us and disciple us, God, in this place of honor. Amen. Amen. I... I, I I think if someone had said that, Jesse, you have the ability to shut down the blessings in your city, I'd be like, well, I can't be that powerful. Like, he's God. Like, he's going to do whatever he wants, right? And yet it's very clear that Jesus walks into Nazareth and has, probably has plans to do great miracles because it's his hometown. Why wouldn't he, right? And yet, because everybody had gotten familiar with who he was, it says that he could do, he could he could do no miracle there except, and I love that. It's like he could only do a couple of blind eyes, a couple of hands shriveled up, you know, they got to, you know, but just, just a couple. And then he kept moving along. I love it. Even Jesus won't be shut down in your life. That even his mercy, his, even in his mercy, even if you don't, you don't want him to come up and show up in your life, there's still places of mercy and grace that he'll do that. Last thing I want to do before we jump forward is that this verse 6 it says this, it says, and he wondered at their unbelief. So a second note, he were talking about honor. Prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. And then he says, I wondered at their unbelief. And I remember in the, in the, there's a place in the Bible where there's a centurion that says, oh Lord, Jesus, just, just say that, that she is healed and, 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 and that'll be it. You don't have to, have to come to my house to get for the healing. And, and, and it says that Jesus marveled at his faith. And I just can't help but think about the, the opposite of that is happening right now. That Jesus literally is marveling at their unbelief. And what's the context? The context is familiarity, isn't it? All right. Turn to Luke, uh, Luke 4. You guys awake? You good? All right. I feel like I jumped into the middle of a sermon. So I, forgive me if I didn't contextualize things enough, but... All right, Luke 4, 21. Did we start at 21? Oh, we start at 16. Let me get there myself. All right, so this is basically Luke's telling of the same thing, but I love the way he shares things that, that Mark did not. Here we go. Okay. 
And so again, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue Sabbath and stood up and read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. And he says this from Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to reclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And so imagine him reading this, and he sits down, and he's beginning to teach. Okay? And, and, and he began to say to them, verse 21, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and all were speaking well of him and wondered at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. There's the first part. You guys ready? Here's where the shoe drops a little bit. Is this not the Joseph's son, though? And this is where the familiarity comes from. And Jesus said to him, No doubt you quote this proverb, to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. Now why do we care about this? What's going on here? What's this whole Capernaum thing? Well, it's very likely that he was off doing miracles and stuff. They had heard what happened in Capernaum and he had come here to their hometown. And so they're saying, do some of these miracles here. And Jesus, kind of like he does with the Pharisees, he recognizes there's people in front of him that that have no value and honor for him. And so Jesus is not in the business normally of doing things for people that have familiarity. He, he actually told the Pharisees, I'm not going to do any miracles for you guys. But Jesus, so Jesus, there's something in, in God that he, he, he desires our faith. He desires our honor, our hunger. Why? Because when we are hungry and when we're honoring him, when, we're, when, we, when, we, when we have value for who he is and what he's done, it opens up that blessing to him. And he says this, he says, verse 25, but I say to you in truth, there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Let me read one more scripture. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. What just happened? Sometimes we, we gloss over things and we don't understand the whole context here. And we threw a couple of prophets' names out there, but let's just keep going so we can get the things I can understand. But let's go back for a second. But I say in truth, there were widows in Israel. So what's going on? In Elijah's day, there was a big famine for, th for three years and six months. And so Elijah was, was, was God's hand on the earth. And so Elijah, God actually, what's going The problem here is that Elijah wasn't sent to, the pro to all the widows in Israel. She, he was actually sent to one of the foreign widows. And so... The people in the synagogue would have, would have known what Jesus was saying and that, and, that, and, that, and that the people in Israel didn't honor the prophet Elijah in that time. And so God sent the prophet outside of their area 
to someone in a, in, in a, foreign, a foreign land. And so it could have been like this, like Jesus coming and going to the Gentiles instead of the Jews. And so there was a sense of stirring here, but that wasn't enough. Jesus wanted to stir the pot a little bit more and begins to talk about this other person. And he says, and there were many lepers in, in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Do you guys know the name in the Syrian is? Well, he was Syrian, and Syrians, the, the Syrians were actually enemies of the Israelites. And Naaman was one of, the, uh, one of the, the heads of the captains of the guards. And Naaman was pretty famous for that. He, he was very well, he was pretty good at his job. The problem with Naaman, though, is he had leprosy. And so in, in this time, uh, this is how much the Syrians were bad people, is that Naaman actually went into Israel and, and actually kidnapped this young girl and made him a servant of his wife. So Naaman and his wife, they have this Israelite, this Jewish servant. And, and this, this is probably another message of itself, but this captive, this, this young girl that's been captive, trafficked out of her hometown, and is in this house with, with this, basically, this invader. And she sees, she sees the, uh, she sees the, uh, uh, the, the leprosy, and she says, you know, my God can heal that. It's almost like she's speaking out of Isaiah 61 right now. She's, she's fulfilling this. She's almost a New, Testament, a New Testament believer in the Old Testament saying, I know that you're a foreigner. I know that you're, you're, you're our enemy, but God can save you. And so in the story of, of, uh, of Naaman, he goes to the king of Israel and ends up in front of Elisha. And Elijah heals him through a couple different, through a story. You should read it. And, and so in the story, he comes back into Syria and says, there is no other God but the God of the Israelites. And so why is this so enraging? Well, this would be like Jesus saying, listen, when, when, the, when the Messiah comes, he's, he'll actually be sent to people outside of your tribe. And so while, while, the, uh, while, while Elijah being sent to the widow might be like the Gentiles, um, Elisha's going to uh, healing Naaman might be like, it, it could be like the Lord going to the Romans, the oppressors. And so the Jews are kind of like, they're just... They're, as they often are, Jesus often, he does not want to make friends all the time. He, he, he very much is enraging these people. And so what's he saying? He's, he's saying, listen, if you don't have honor for the Lord, if you don't recognize that, and in fact, remember, when he's reading Isaiah 61, he's saying, that, that, that's me. And the timing of this is now. And so Jesus is literally saying, hey, I'm here. We're doing something amazing here. Let's go. And they say, isn't this Joseph's son, though? Or Joseph's son, yeah. Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this? And so there's this contempt, this lack of honor in the region for Jesus. And so what happens? He says, I can do not many miracles here. Why does this matter? Just how do we bring this into this time? I believe that there's a place in our own hearts that we can feel familiar with God. Sometimes I, I, I get familiar with the Lord. You know, you got to remember that, that it was 400 years that the Israelites didn't have a prophet before Jesus came. 400 years. Think, about, think of how complacent you might be after 400 years of not hearing from the Lord of not having a prophet. So I think over those 400 years, the Israelites had a reason to be kind of just not super expectant in a Messiah. I think about when I was, as I'm, as I'm reading this, I think about how I might have shut down the blessing of the Lord in my life. Have you guys ever, I, I have a couple kids. 
Actually, I have four kids now. And, and if you ever have a child and they're sick or their stomach is hurting or they have a headache or they're, they have a fever, you want to do something to fix this, don't you? You just, you just like, there's everything in you says, Lord, this has got to end now. This has got to stop. And so I've had plenty of times when I would lay hands on my kids and I didn't see God show up. I didn't see the fever lift. I didn't see the pain subside. And it, it, it just, it's so hard. Can you imagine that? Have you guys ever prayed for something and nothing happened? You didn't see something happen, right? How many of you guys have prayed for years and still you have not seen that thing happen, right? There's no shame in that. We're called to keep contending for breakthrough. But there's time, but it's in those moments when we don't see something happen that our heart begins to have just a lack of faith for the next time. And now, every now and then, I, my, my kids are, are, they have a stomach ache or my wife has a headache. And my first thought is like, well, just get the Tylenol. Let's get the, let's get something to fix this thing. Because I don't, my first thought is not, I'm moved to see God move. My, my, it's almost just like, oh, you know, Jesus, that's Joseph's son. Let's not pray. And so there's something in us that if we're, if we're not careful, we'll grow complacent for the move of God that wants to happen. If we're not careful, we'll stop asking him to come in and move in our cities. You ever been to a prayer meeting where you just declared the Lord was going to bring revival and the next week he didn't do it? <laughs> I, I, I'm actually, let's take this to the moment today where Roe v. Wade is on the verge of being overturned. I've prayed a lot for the ending of abortion in my days. A lot. I used to have, my buddy and I, we started a prayer house in San Diego with Lou Engle, and, and we would pray every week for the ending of abortion, and amongst a bunch of other things. And so there's, there's, we are now starting to see the fruit of those prayers. I want, to, I want to encourage you guys to keep your place of honor for the Lord turned on. And the way we do that, the way we do that is we don't let our hearts get familiar with the things that he's doing in our lives. It's so slight and small, you guys. And, and here's what I think happens. I think there's parts of our lives where we're just tons of faith and honor for God to move, right? You, you, all, you might have your faith points. And there's other places where you've forgotten. And every now and you'll get around somebody that has faith in that area, and you'll be like, yeah, like God wants to show up in that area of my life too. And so there's a place that we can, this is why we're in community, because where Jimmy has faith for, I might be a little cold on. And, and there's a place where, 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 where Michael might have faith, or, or Janet, and so this is why community is important to us. But I want to encourage you that these places of honor, the places where we open up honor and faith, this is where the blessing of the Lord wants to begin to move, okay? I want to talk a little, just briefly about a couple stories that, um, how are we going to time? Yeah. This is where I cut out a lot of my notes. Clearly, it should have been three messages. Oh my gosh, can you hear that baby? I feel like that's all I can hear right now. It might be mine, I don't know. 
There's some points left on here, but to be honest, I just feel like they don't feel alive right now. If you'll forgive me to not kind of keep going down some of this stuff, can you stand with me? I just want to spend the last bit of time we have together. Sometimes things feel fiery in the moment, and sometimes, like, in the space right here, I just feel like the Lord's just saying, like, just don't keep sharing that. But here's what I want to do. I, I, can we just honor the Lord? <laughs> There's lots of ways to honor God. I'll, I'll say this, that um, practically, honor is restored through Repentance. I said it last time, I want to say it again. Honor is restored through repentance. So if you feel at all like you've gotten um, familiar with this King of Kings, this God of glory, if you've gotten familiar with him, maybe you come to church and it's just normal church, maybe worship starts and you just look at the words and you begin to sing. But can we just honor him right now? Honestly, you guys, I'm just... I don't care if he does anything for me. I don't, I, don't, I don't honor him to get him to move. I don't honor him to get a blessing in my life. I honor him because, dang, he has changed my life. How many of you guys have had your life changed by the king of, like just with Jesus? It's in those moments, you guys, when I'm worshiping and honoring him, I don't think like, Lord, I just, I want to sow seeds of honor so I reap a harvest of blessing. Look, it's in those moments I just, God, I just want to honor you. I want to honor you like David did when the ark was brought back to the city and he danced around in his underwear and he just, he didn't care who, who did it. He says, I, I want to honor you, God, with an extravagant gift of worship. Or I thought about two where they honored him, where the Israelites honored him going into war. They worshiped him with their instruments ahead of the, ahead of the warriors. And I just thought, some of us need to worship him just because he's, he's in the house. And other people need to worship him because they're in the middle of a battle. But can we just, can we just worship him right now as a, as a community? And in this, just, just as you worship, I want you to just think about honoring him because he's worthy, because of what he's done in your life, because he first loved you. You guys ready? All right, I'm just going to lead us in a couple simple songs. Just the same songs I always pick. Because I don't have to think about the words. 